This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hey there, MD Nation. Your host, Dan Mater here, and I want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y.com, so your wall will never be boring again. And now, for the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And what's going on, MD Nation? We had our first football kickoff yesterday, last night. We're going to be talking about that. In today's show, we're going to be talking about the late Sunday games, the Sunday night game, the Monday night games. We'll get you up to date on some of the injury news heading into Friday's practices. We are recording this in the morning in case you're listening to this later on. So there's going to probably be some more news in practice coming out later on. And to keep up with that, all you have to do is follow us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow. Or you can contact us for the mailbag segment if you have any questions throughout the weekend for your lineups. Make sure you give us a call. Make sure you contact us on social media. Hit up the MD Nation hotline at 609-362-2480 or at BellyUpMDFFShow for Twitter and Facebook or email us directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. We're going to be widely available to you guys. It's week one. There's a lot of injury news that we have to talk about and today. What's coming up in these, these week one matchups already have some tricky situations, unfortunate situations with some guys getting going down in practice as just as of yesterday. Uh, so we have to talk about that as well. But before we get into all that, I do want to acknowledge that today is September 11th and you know all of our thoughts and uh, sympathies go out to the families who lost a loved one on 9-11 all those years ago, it still carries uh, weight with us even today. And uh, we just wanted to take a moment before we get fully started with the show to recognize that and remember uh, what today, what is most important about today. And it's not fantasy football, but it is remembering those who died on September 11th, all those years ago. But this is a fantasy football show. 
You guys listen to the show to get away, to entertain, to win some money, to win some leagues. And that's what our focus is at the end of the day. So if you're listening to this, you're doing that because you want to escape. And that's what we're going to provide for you. So we're going to move ahead. And we're going to be talking about tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, last night's game against the Chiefs and the Texans. And look, put the fantasy stuff aside for a second. Put the level of gameplay aside for a second. The fact that these teams weren't as prepared as they normally would be to this point. How great was it just to have football? How great was it just to have football? How great was it to have live sports, the most important sport in America? What a great moment it was just to have it. It's, it felt like it's been so long. And for football, I mean, everyone was talking about this. It feels like it's been forever since we had football. We're so happy to have football back. But football is actually the only sport that ended and started on time in 2020. We're not actually getting football later than we normally would in any other year. It's the only normal thing so far that's happened in 2020. Was it a little odd seeing, what, only 22,000 fans in the stands? Yes. Yeah, it was a little odd. But you know what? They did such a good job with the volume level and the fans cheering that while watching the game, I don't, I mean, I personally, I couldn't really notice. I didn't notice a dip in energy level for that football game without having a full... Now, we, we all, of course, we want full fans in the stands sooner rather than later. But for the majority of Americans who are going to be watching this, this, you know, these football games on television, I didn't feel like I was missing an aspect of the game, an aspect of my full enjoyment of actually watching football, which was just good to see. It was good to see. So I just kind of wanted to talk about that point before we actually get into the game itself. I'm not going to talk about the beginning of the game. That's not, you know, this is a fantasy football show. This isn't, this isn't news talk. This isn't sports talk, uh, you know, general sports talk or anything like that. That's not what we're here to do. We're talking to talk about just fantasy football. Uh, but what I will say is that I definitely enjoyed seeing the players just for a few seconds right before kickoff. Just trying to send out a message of unity and trying to be an example for us all. I enjoyed that. So, moving on into actual football, because we had quite a bit of it. Let's start on the Houston Texans side of the ball. And I'm going to start off with David Johnson. Because this is a guy that I have been, let's say, a little bit negative towards. Critical towards. Not just because of the trade, which everybody was critical about. That wasn't really my main concern. My main concern was David Johnson himself. I just didn't like what I saw at the end of last year. When he came back supposedly healthy and he would spell Kenyon Drake from time to time, he just didn't look like he was even a shell of himself. He looked below that. And I was worried that that wasn't just because he was still coming back from the injury last year and that he was still banged up. I was worried that he actually was healthy and that's just what he had left. He looked pretty good last night. He did. I think the next gen stats on that touchdown runs that he ran about 19 miles an hour at one point during that run, that's pretty good explosiveness. He looked much better than he did a season ago. He looked much better than what he did week one last year before he sustained the injury. Because remember, in the beginning of the season last year, he was putting up good fantasy production, but that was widely because of the 
crazy volume that he was getting early on in the season between rushing and catching the football. It wasn't because he looked all that great to me. He looks better. He looks a little leaner. He looked a little more explosive last night. So that bodes well if you try to take the shot on David Johnson. Now, here's my word of caution to you. Week one. I still have a lot of questions. Uh, probably not. But that, was, that was the good news for David Johnson owners. Duke Johnson, he goes down with a leg injury. We still are awaiting details as far as what the actual leg injury was. How severe is it? He didn't come back for the rest of that game. Uh, we're getting news coming in left and right that we're going to go over in just a little bit. So we're going to have to see exactly what that is for Duke Johnson if they decide to sign somebody because they only have Buddy Howe, who's the only other running back on this roster. So it's only going to be those three guys. So if they bring in somebody, then we know that Duke Johnson might be missing some time. But it was kind of interesting to see how they were using the two. I mean, he, he walks away with five carries, only, only 14 yards. Uh, he walked away with one target. But they were they were sprinkling him in with David Johnson. They were There was a couple times they had them both lined up in the backfield. Even if Duke Johnson comes back healthy, I don't think this is somebody you want to play in your flex. But it's good to see that they are trying to get them involved, and they're going to try to keep David Johnson fresh to some degree. I mean, he only had 11 carries for 77 yards, a touchdown uh, last night, and four targets, three catches, 32 yards. So he had 14 touches total. Now, part of that, of course, had to do with the game flow. The Chiefs were up by multiple scores early on in this game. But I was a little surprised he didn't get more involved in the passing game, but they did split him out wide a few times. He did get four targets, so it's nothing to you know shake your head about. So that was the interesting, you know, that was the interesting thing there. He didn't look like David Johnson of 2016, but he didn't look like the shell of himself like he did at one point last year. So that was the good news. And then, like I said, Duke Johnson, we're waiting to see what's going on with him. Deshaun Watson saves his fantasy day with that garbage rushing touchdown. That's the best thing about fantasy, right? Garbage points count. Doesn't doesn't matter. He didn't play very well. The Texans didn't play very well. But garbage points matter, and he winds up saving his fantasy day as a result. We had him as QB12 going into this game. The big reason for that, and as I was explaining to somebody who was questioning me on uh, uh, social media, was that, look, I was like, while the Kansas City Chiefs defense might not be the best defense in the world, it's not something I'm afraid of. You're talking about Texans offense that hasn't had enough time to really get continuity. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins, and it showed last night because when they were down by a couple of scores and Deshaun Watson looked like he was constantly second-guessing who he wanted to give the chance to. He didn't have his go-to guy where if he was in trouble, which he was in trouble quite a bit, especially in the second half of last night's game because the offensive line started opening up the floodgates on him a couple times. He didn't have that guy to just, I know that if I throw it into a spot, there's a good chance you're going to come down with it and we're going to move the chance. He didn't have that guy. Will Fuller got heavily involved. Will Fuller had a good game. It catches 112 yards on 10 targets. But it wasn't he wasn't force feeding, even though he has 10 targets, he wasn't force feeding Will Fuller in that game. That wasn't what the game flow was going. He wasn't even looking for Will Fuller necessarily himself in the situations where he just needed to get out of trouble. You could tell he just didn't have that guy. And I wonder what that's going to do from a play-calling standpoint. Because play-calling, once again for the Houston Texans, was horrendous last night. They didn't do anything to make it easy on Deshaun Watson. The Chiefs did a great job of taking away the deep ball. They were not going to let the Texans get vertical on them last night. And that became evident with the defense that Spagnuolo was running. 
And the fact that anytime they took a couple shots, whether it was Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks or Kenny Stills going down the field, they were double covered almost every time. They took away all their shot plays. And the Texans just kept running them. And they didn't do anything to make things easier. The amount of pressure that the Chiefs were getting on them, not one screen to David Johnson, make things easy. This is what I've been harping about with Bill O'Brien this entire time. It's why I'm not a fan. He doesn't make things easier on Deshaun Watson. He just makes it more difficult. And by the end of that game, Watson was doing everything he could just to stay upright. I mean, there was a series where it was like three plays in a row, and he was dodging pretty much all four defensive linemen because the offensive line just opened up the floodgates on him. Those are things that are going to need to be corrected. Those are the things that I was worried about without having DeAndre Hopkins going into this year. That's why I had Deshaun Watson's QB8 coming into the season. I'm a little bit lower on him than most because I worry about the continuity of this offense. I worry about their play calling. Tim Kelly, who was a defensive line coach, is an offensive coordinator. The last time I can remember a team had a defensive position coach be an offensive coordinator, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he was a linebacker's coach who wound up being an offensive coordinator. That didn't work out very well. This isn't going to work out very well. Not that they keep doing what they're doing, which is making it much more difficult than Deshaun Watson, which has always been the case. But from a fantasy standpoint, the rushing stats of Deshaun Watson will always offer you the floor, and it's what saved his day yesterday. 253 yards, an interception, one passing touchdown, but he rushes for 27 yards in that rushing touchdown at the end of the game. So he's still going to probably give you a top 12 finish when it's all said and done, even though it looked like an ugly game. Brandon Cooks was definitely not out there 100% of the time. His workload was limited as far as his snap count goes. And it showed on the field, too. He had five targets, second in targets, five targets, two catches, 20 yards, was limited in his playing in the second half. He just It's just clear he wasn't 100%. So we're going to have to wait to see exactly how long is it going to take for him to fully be able to recover from that quad injury. Because, I, I mean, this show, we talked about it all year long, how we think Brandon Cooks will finish the year as the wide receiver one for the Houston Texans, whether it be because of an injury to Will Fuller or the fact that I believe in his route running ability, his veteran savvy to settle in zones and Get, make himself available and open for Deshaun Watson when he's on the run, more so than any other receiver, given his veteran savviness, given his route running ability. So that's why I expect for Brandon Cooks, but it's, you know, it was clear he was not 100% last night. We, when we knew that, we knocked him down. We made him wide receiver 42 for the week. So I was telling you, probably don't play Brandon Cooks this week. If you're a Will Fuller owner, like we went over his stat line, you're, you're happy about it. One, he is healthy. And Brandon Cooks is actually a little bit banged up. That's the ironic part. Two, in a game where the Houston Texans offense looked out of sync, he still walks away with eight catches and 100 yards. The only thing he didn't do was grab a touchdown. So Will Fuller looks as advertised while healthy if you took the shot on him. And you continue to play him until he's injured, basically. Every week that you get out of Will Fuller is essentially house money. Because you're getting a guy who has high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one potential every single week. You just know that you're probably not going to have him for 16 games. Now we move on to the Chiefs' side of the ball. So let's start off this conversation by talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, because that's what we all want to talk about. Great rookie debut. Great rookie debut. I mean, 25 carries, 138 yards, a touchdown. We had him as... RB uh, 10 or 11, I believe, in half-point PPR leagues. 
RB10. He's definitely going to at least finish in his top 10, if not maybe the top five after that performance. Wasn't as involved in the passing game as we expected him to be. That'll come, though. It wasn't like Darrell Williams took that part away from him. They both only had two targets apiece. So we all know how great it was. This is what I'm going to say about Clyde. We all know how great of a, of a rookie performance that was. I'm not trying to take anything away with what I'm about to say following, so I'll make sure that's clear. 25 carries, 130 yards, a touchdown. You're, you're, that's nothing to poo-poo on. There's a couple of things analytically to kind of look at here. So number one, on the positive side, we'll start with the good news, is that when they got into the red zone, when they got inside the five, they didn't hand the ball over to Darrell Williams like I thought they might be heading into the season. They kept Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out there. They gave him every opportunity to try to convert inside the red zone. I believe he had about five carries, at least five carries, inside the five-yard line. That's the good news. If they continue to do that, then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, his ceiling, which I was a little bit concerned about, was why I was saying he wasn't a first-rounder for me. He was a second-rounder, not a first-rounder for me. It was because I questioned exactly how many touchdowns is he in line for because I questioned whether or not he was going to be the goal linebacker. That's the good news there, that his ceiling be, could be boosted be, after what we saw last night, even though he did not convert. That brings me to the second point, though. He did not convert. Not only did he not convert, but those five carries that he was given inside the five-yard line, he didn't even gain an inch. And that's just from being a smaller guy in stature. That's from being the type of guy... He's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he showed you what he is last night. He has tremendous balance. He has tremendous elusivity in tight spaces between the tackles. So that's why in situations where you have only six guys in the box, which was at least half the time last night, and he got about, I believe it was 85% to 90% of his production on plays where there was less than, where six guys were less in the box. And that's going to happen a lot with him being on the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why people like him so much. All he has to do in that situation, is make that first guy miss, which is something he usually, and he always does when it's, in, when it's between the 20s. You make that first guy miss, you're going to automatically pick up five or more yards when you're in those formations. So he, he showed you what he could do last night, and we haven't seen him be as involved in the passing game yet after, after last night. And he's going to be more involved in that aspect as well, as far as catching the ball anyway. But I didn't like that I didn't see a guy who couldn't even gain an inch. And it wasn't just inside the five when he got those carries. He had a situation where it was a third and two. They tried to hand the ball off to him. And again, barely made it back to the line of scrimmage. So to me, he's going to have to be able to do something. He's going to have to learn how to get lower. Even lower than he already is going through that hole. Because he's going to have to find a way to punch through the offensive lineman's legs to pick up that extra yard or two in those type of situations. You're not going to be able to smack into the back of your offensive line unless your offensive line is able to bulldoze and win the battle in the trenches on that particular play. But he's going to have to learn to get even lower than what he is, twist and turn, in order to be able to pick up those yardage, those opportunities in those situations. Because he's just not a big guy. And when there's no hole, like there's a goal line situation, there's not going to be, one, obviously, there's nine guys at least in the box, but... Two, there's not going to be that hole for him to bounce through to make that first guy miss. You have to get lower and either go over top or get lower than everybody else. He didn't do that last night. Now, we, we might see an improvement. And like I said, the good news is that they gave him every opportunity 
in that situation. And as long as that continues, then there's a good chance that he will have a very good ceiling and be able to put up more touchdowns than maybe I necessarily even expected. But I didn't like that he couldn't even gain an inch in those situations. I didn't like that part. And that was one of the things that worried me about why I thought the Rebel Williams might be the goal line guy. And if he continues to fail, then that could wind up happening. As far as the split for him and Darrell Williams was last night, Williams got seven carries for 23 yards, but I don't really feel like that's what really kind of tells the story here. There's quite a few third and longs where you would see Williams come in, and that's just an indication to me, and that's something I've talked about too, also a word of caution. Now, it didn't affect his play. It didn't affect uh, Edwards Hilaire's playing time last night, but a word of caution is, is he always going to play in the situations that you want him to, like on third and longs to be available in the passing game? because of his pass-blocking ability to this point. Darrell Williams was coming in in some of those situations. That's when Edwards Hilaire seemed to be getting taken out for the most part. Overall, it didn't affect it. This was obviously a favorable uh, game flow for him for play calling as well. So that was the things I just noticed outside of just the numbers in last night's game. Overall, like I said, great performance. Top 10 guy. You know, sky's the limit for him. And I did like that he at least got those opportunities in the red zone. We'll see if he gets better at being able to convert them next time. Mahomes was Mahomes. I I almost want to say I'm a little bit disappointed by Mahomes because 211 yards against Houston Texans offense, I was expecting 300, right? But how greedy can he get? Three touchdowns. He looked good. He didn't have a reason to press. He played a little bit more conservative. Made it easy on himself. It got a little bit wet in the second half. The running game was working well. There was just no reason to push the issue. And I think that was a big reason why he didn't go deep as much in this game as we were used to seeing. I think the big question here is Sammy Watkins. Right? Sammy Watkins. Um, so last year, week one... He came out and had a big game against Jacksonville. I was trying to remember who it was they were playing. Had a big game against Jacksonville. And then he was kind of disappointing for the rest of the season after that. We'll see what winds up happening. He has another great week one. Nine targets was the most targeted guy on the Chiefs. Seven catches, eight yards, and a touchdown. Here's what I take out of this. Will Watkins probably be a guy who's up there on my waiver wire list next week? Yeah, I think he's hovering around that 50%. We'll see if he's under that. Remember, you have to be under 50% owned uh, on average amongst the major platforms to make the waiver wire segment. We'll see if that winds up being the case for him. I think he's hovering right about there. But the big thing that this does answer is that it's definitely Sammy Watkins over Nicole Hardman still. And if he keeps putting up performances like that, then Nicole Hardman might not usurp him this season. I believe Watkins' contract will be up at the end of this year, so we'll see what happens after that going into next year. But if he's able to perform like this, I don't think he's going to get usurped by Michael Harmon at any point this year. He looked healthy. He looked spry. And there looked like there was, you know, they were on the same page. There was a lot of chemistry between Mahomes and Sammy Watkins. Um, after that, Travis Kelsey, the Travis Kelsey-like things. They got him really involved early on in that game, not so much later on. Six catches, 50 yards, a touchdown on six targets. Tyreek Hill, five catches, 46 yards. 
but he was able to get in the end zone, so he saves his fantasy value that way. Also on six targets. It's just the only thing that was kind of surprising, Demarcus Robinson was targeted six times, only walks away with three catches of 20 yards. He did drop the touchdown, but he was targeted quite a bit in the red zone, which I thought was kind of interesting. It just shows you there's so many weapons they're going to go to, but the main three, Watkins, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, are going to be there. And I think Watkins is going to need to be owned in all we in all leagues because, like I said, this confirms that he's ahead of Miko Harmon on the depth chart, and it just shows you as long as you're in the Chiefs' offense and in in a good matchup, anybody can score, anybody can have their chance. And in this case, everyone scored. Edwards Hilaire scored, Watkins scored, Kelsey scored, Hill scored, all your main Chief players scored. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So these guys need to be owned and being able to play them. And like I said, that was really the big question I had. Watkins and Miko Hardman, who was able to, was Watkins able to maintain the job or was Hardman usurping him in training camp? We got our answer to these, that question tonight. We'll see how this goes forward. Can Watkins keep up this level of play throughout the season? That's going to be the question. But he's definitely somebody who needs to be owned as a, as a wide receiver for that you can plug and play uh, in your lineup based on matchup or injuries or buys. That that much that's what that showed me last night at the very at the very least. That pretty much wraps up what we need to talk about uh, from last night's game. So why don't we go ahead and jump into our first matchup on the late Sunday afternoon games that we need to preview, which is between the Chargers and sorry the Cincinnati Bengals. So, we have Tyrod Taylor, who I have as one of my top streaming quarterbacks of the week. I have him at QB 13. It's a great matchup. No, he doesn't have Mike Williams. We still have Keenan Allen. You still have Hunter Henry. You still have you know Austin Eckler you're going to be able to go to. We know he has a floor because of how he rushes the football. So, these are all things that rode well for Tyrod Taylor, at the very least having a high floor in a very good match against Cincinnati Bengals. That's why he's one of our streaming quarterbacks. So if you're a guy who comes who came into the season wanting to stream, maybe you're a guy who drafted Joe Burrow. I know a lot of people who did that as your quarterback. Maybe you put Burrow on your bench because you don't want to drop him necessarily because you picked him up to see how he does throughout the season. But maybe you go to the other side and try to see if you can stream Tyrod Taylor into your lineup this week. But he's one of my guys who's right in that top end streamer territory at QB 13. Austin Eckler, obviously you're going to play him. We love this matchup. Austin Eckler's our running back six this week. Because there's questions, right? Look, Jackson has Justin Jackson has been cleared. He's good to go. 
nobody really, even the people inside, really seems to know for sure exactly who's the number two running back. Is it Justin Jackson or is it Joshua Kelly? I can tell you from my perspective what I expect to happen is Justin Jackson to get the first crack at being that RB2. The reason for that is Joshua Kelly is already involved in all of these special teams. And I'm not talking about like returning kicks and stuff like that. I'm talking about actually going down on kick coverage and being one of the flyers to go make a tackle. I'm talking about that. So usually speaking, when a team involves somebody to be involved in special teams in that capacity, they don't turn around and give them a significant workload, especially as a running back, especially carrying the football. Typically, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. It's ha- it, very rarely. Not that it's never happened, but it, it typically does not happen. So it leads me to believe that if Justin Jackson, in fact, is good to go, and Joshua Kelly is already going to be involved in, in, on the field in that capacity, that he's probably going to get the first crack as the number two guy. But it's still not fully clear. And even said all that, we're not going to be playing Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly this week. This week is going to be about answering that question of what the rotation is between those two. The only thing is going to be the only question I have for Austin Eckler is how many carries are you getting? Could this be like last year when Melvin Gordon was out and they just make you the ball carrier? Or are you somebody who's going to get 15 carries and about five receptions? That's the only question I have. Either way, in this match against the Cincinnati Bengals, if he's looking at somewhere between 15 to 20 touches total, whether it be through carries or catching the ball, he's going to have a really good game. So, I mean, not that you weren't going to play Austin Eckler, but he definitely has a nice ceiling this week against Cincinnati Bengals. All your offense players can go great. I mean, speaking to that note, we, we're not big on Keenan Allen here. He was in our bus five during our, our, our episode from early on in the summer in our August for the wide receivers. But for this week, he's our wide receiver three. Now, part of it is the matchup with Cincinnati Bengals. The other part of it is that Mike Williams is not going to play. And there's really not a wide receiver of significance outside of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on this depth chart. So really, the only people he's splitting targets with are Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. So Keenan Allen's going to get a volume that he's used to getting in this game, most likely in a plus matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. We like him quite a bit. Obviously, we made him wide receiver three for this week. It's a, that, and just shows you that it's amazing in fantasy football what circumstances and matchup can do to your fantasy value in any, in any given week. Like I said, we're not big on Keenan Allen for the year, but in this situation that he's in right now for week one, number three wide receiver on half point PBR leagues. Mike Williams, we don't know when he's going to come back. We know it's not going to be this week. I would venture to say it's probably not going to be next week. I think week three is a safer estimate from when we might see him again. Just to kind of give you guys a quick tidbit there. And then Hunter Henry. We have Hunter Henry as a top five tight end this week. Number five. Again, he's healthy, number one right now. But two... He might be targeted as the second receiver this week with no Mike Williams, especially in the red zone, which is the big thing that you need for him in the first place. And we know that Tyra Taylor will go to his tight ends in the red zone. So we like Hunter Henry as a top five tight end this week. So I think the Chargers, for the most part, are pretty clear cut on what you're looking for from a fantasy perspective. Cincinnati Bengals. First and foremost, A.J. Green, full, full go in practice. He's good to go. I don't love the matchup because it's the Chargers defense. And I know they don't have Derwin James, but they still 
have a good secondary. They still have a good defense overall. But I do believe the Chargers are going to be up by a couple of scores for most of this game. I do believe that the Bengals are going to have to play from behind come third, fourth quarter. I do think Joe Burrow is going to know how to get the ball at least to A.J. Green, even in his rookie debut. And if Green is fully healthy and ready to go, this guy has something to prove coming out of week one. All that is to go to say that A.J. Green is our number five wide receiver in half of PBR leagues this week. Even though it's not a great matchup because of all those other circumstances that we said to you. Remember, what we talked about with Deshaun Watson, garbage points matter. He might be in line for some garbage points this week. And I've talked about this a million times before. When A.J. Green is healthy and on the field, he produces like a wide receiver one. So he's our number five guy. He's a must play for me this week. An absolute must play. Tyler Boyd, he's another guy. Uh, he's always going to be a solid, but he's always going to have a high floor. We have met wide receiver 31 this week. So as a middling wide receiver three, again, it's kind of a matchup thing. Plus AJ Green's in the building, plus new quarterback. So there's more times than not, he's going to be ranked in our top 24. He's going to be ranked as a wide receiver too. But for this week in particular, given some of the circumstances around him, we would have him down to a wide receiver 31 at this moment. But he's still going to have a high floor. He's still probably looking at at least, I would say, I would venture to say seven targets in this game. And we're talking about half point, full point PPR leagues. I like Boyd and what he's going to be able to bring to the table. I just don't see a big ceiling necessarily from him this particular week. I kind of want to see how this offense looks with Burrow, how things kind of play out. I just know AJ Green is going to get the ball come hell high water this particular week, given everything that's been leading up to this point. Being that he's fully healthy. So I'm going to kind of wait and see a little bit on Boyd, but if you if you have him and you're playing with three receivers or you need a flex, he's definitely a guy who's going to give you solid production in those areas, even in a tough match against the Chargers. So we're good there. The only guy I'm, gonna, I'm just not going to play this week is John Ross. But I do like John Ross quite a bit. He's a guy who might be available in the waiver wire segment as well. He's going to have big play capability. As of right now, the guy's healthy. We only have we have one wide receiver 64 this week. So you know, we're not playing him this week. But in certain matchups throughout the year, as the third targeted receiver, as the guy who's a speedster on the outside, I mean, we're going to like him in some DFS plays this week, this year. We're going to like him as a guy that you can pick up off the waiver wire or take from your bench, plug and play him if you need to go hit a home run. It's just not going to be this week, but don't let that deter you from the rest of the season. This is somebody that we're going to keep our eyes on as a sleeper value throughout the year. CJ Uzma, I, I'm kind of curious to see how involved he's going to be. He has a lot of things working against him, right? You have Zach Taylor, who if he runs the Sean McVay system of old, which is what I expect him to do, the tight end doesn't normally get very involved. And CJ Uzma is not somebody who commands a lot of targets to begin with. Plus, rookie quarterback with Joe Burrow. I just want to see kind of the chemistry. I want to see what his role in this offense is really going to be. Because, I mean, he's somebody who might have streamer ter- uh, tight end territory for him at some point this season, but we're not really looking at that for week one either. Moving on, we got the big game. I think that everybody has circled for the four o'clock hour and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's the New Orleans Saints. So first, let's start off on the Tampa Bay side, right? The question is what's going to happen at the running back position. And they talked about Ronald Jones is definitely going to be a starter, but Bruce Arians also mentioned that he thinks Leonard Fournette's going to have a solid role, at the very least, this this year. Or this, this week, excuse me. 
So it sounds to me like even it's going to probably be a running back by committee approach. It sounds like to me that I don't really want to play a Tampa Bay running, uh, Tampa Bay running back this week. It's not just that we don't know exactly what the work share is going to be. It's the fact that you're also playing against New Orleans Saints who have been a matchup nightmare for fantasy running backs over the past couple of seasons. And I would venture to say, especially after the draft in this offseason, their defense might have even gotten better than what we've seen a year ago when it comes to run defense. They got better in pass defense too because they added you know Malcolm Jenkins back to that group. But I'm not touching these guys. Leonard Fournette, He's an RB43 for me. Ronald Jones, he's an RB34, so he's in the flex conversation. But I think there's guys that you have much safer options to be able to go to than having to play anybody from Tampa Bay backfield this particular week. Remember, not only do we not know the rotation, but we don't know, but we we know that it's a terrible matchup for running backs. So just keep that in mind. Evans is in serious question for Sunday. Now, I just that was one of the reports that we just got that I was trying to read off here while the show is going on. And he is back in uniform. He was catching passes in the end zone on an outdoor field. He hasn't practiced, but he is actually out there doing some work. It's, remember, it's a hamstring issue for Mike Evans. So that at least is a good sign that maybe he will actually be able to play this Sunday because the way it was shaping up before it looked like he might not even be able to play. It looks like he might be on the track of actually being able to suit up. He definitely will not be 100% come Sunday. I would like to say that it's Mike Evans. You drafted If he is active, you have to play him. You drafted him too high not to. But honestly, being that it's week one, and there, aren't, there shouldn't be too many injuries to your lineups and nobody's on bye, you might have some interesting options to go with. Now, it's, it's going to completely depend on your roster construction. But what I am saying is that if you have someone who is 100% healthy in a really good matchup that you like this week, I am not going to tell you not to bench Mike Evans this week. I am not going to tell you that he has to play this week, given the hamstring issue, being that he hasn't been able to practice the past couple of days, and being that this is something that just popped up this week. If this popped up a couple of weeks ago, and he's recouping i would say like all right he's had time to rest if he is active sunday i would feel okay with it this just popped up this week it makes me feel a little uneasy about him going into sunday and then keep in mind on top of that you're talking about going up against the saints team who has marshawn Lattimore. it's not it's not a good matchup to begin with you have a this is a good Saints secondary so again I'm not going to tell you not to bench Mike Evans, but it's going to be fully dependent on what your roster construction is, what you what it is you have available for him. So again, make sure you hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, at BellyUpMDFFShow. Hit us up with your dilemmas. Hit us up with your available players, and we're going to help you out. We're going to help you out set that lineup and figure it all out. So as that's just as far as that, what's the update going on with Mike Evans there. Obviously, Chris Godwin's a must-start because of that. Because even if he is out in the field, you know we don't know exactly what his availability, his capacity is going to be. So Chris Godwin is going to be the number one target this week. A lot of people thought he's going to be number one target for the year. We actually had him a little bit ahead of Evans ourselves, but he's definitely going to be the number one target this week for sure. And being the guy who'll line up in the inside quite a bit, he's going to have the better matchups. He's going to get to stay away from guys like Lattimore against the Saints defense. If Mike Evans cannot go, or if he is limited, it sounds like Scotty Miller is the next receiver up, and then after him, it would be Justin Watson. I'm not touching either one of those guys anyway. 
This is to me, I'm playing Chris Godwin, and like I said with Mike Evans, it depends on what you have available. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea, we have Godwin at wide receiver 16, and before we knew about the injury, we have Mike Evans at wide receiver 18, but of course that's going to be in flux now depending on what he's able to do in practice today and what he's able to give them in the walkthrough tomorrow and what the report's going to be heading into Sunday. So just make sure you're following us on Twitter because we're going to keep you up to date and ask us if you need help when you start, you know, on your lineups. Tom Brady, you have to play him, I think. I don't love the situation he's in, though. I don't lo- Let's put it this way. I don't love his ceiling. So if you think you have another guy who you feel pretty good about their ceiling this week, again, I don't think Brady is a must-play. We have him ranked at QB 10. But again, that's also kind of reflecting before the Mike Evans injury came out. So I'm fine with playing him. He's going to have a high floor because at the end of the day, we know Brady's going to do what he needs to do to, one, keep up with the Saints offense, which is going to be highly prolific. And I do believe Tampa Bay's going to have to come back from behind in this game. So I don't think there's going to be a vo- there's going to be volume headed his way. He still has really good weapons at Chris Godwin and, and Gronk that he's going to be able to go to even if Mike Evans isn't 100%. So I still think there's a floor with Tom Brady, but I do question in this matchup, their first game together, so what's the continuity going to be? There are a lot of question marks that I have about what his ceiling could be just for week one. I love Brady for the season, but this is not a situation for week one that's really mounting up in his favor. So just kind of keep that in mind. I still, Like I said, I still find with Brady being a top 10 quarterback. I'm still fine with playing him. I still think he's going to have a higher floor. I still think he's going to have the volume. He's going to be okay. But if you're hoping to get a guy with more of a ceiling, I think there might be some other options out there for you, like a Ben Roethlisberger, for instance, who we have a QB8 for this week. He's somebody who's drafted late or sometimes in some leagues not drafted at all. Teddy Bridgewater's a QB11, one spot behind Brady. I would say he probably has a bigger ceiling, maybe not as high of a floor. And like I said, I mentioned Tyrod Taylor to QB13. I think he might have a higher ceiling as well, and maybe just as good of a floor as Tom Brady, frankly. So just some other options that if you're looking for a bigger ceiling out of, you could go with, but if you want to stick with Brady, like I said, I think he'll do just fine for you. Moving on to the Saints. Again, everyone's good to go, healthy, nothing of news or note there. Just play your guys. I love Drew Brees. Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense did get better. Their secondary did get better. It's still exposable. And I don't love Todd Bowles' playing style against Drew Brees necessarily because Brees is good at picking apart the blitz. And that's what Todd Bowles likes to do. So I'm playing Drew Brees this week. He's my QB7. I think he, he has the ceiling and the floor that you're looking for out of a QB1 this particular week. I think the Saints are going to win this game. Alma Kamara, obviously, you're playing him. Michael Thomas, obviously, you're playing him. I don't see why you would need to play Emmanuel Sanders this week. This is not a guy who's ever going to have a high ceiling for you, but he's going to have a consistent floor. And, of course, it's week one. We need to see, okay, what's your chemistry with Drew Brees? What's your role really going to be? Are, are you going to be targeted more than the second wide receiver for the Saints has been over the past few years right out of the gate? I mean, he's definitely going to be targeted more over the season, but are you going to be targeted right out of the gate like that? So there's some question marks that we, that we want to see there. And you're talking about a guy who really, at the end of the day, only has a floor, doesn't really have a big ceiling in this matchup. We have him at wide receiver 38. So he kind of just outside that wide receiver three flex territory. But that's a guy we want to we want to watch. We want to see what he's going to really be. We got to see where he is physically, too. He's a year older now. 
He looked fine last year coming off the Achilles injury, but we do want to see where he is physically as well. So there's some question marks with Emmanuel Sanders that we're going to be looking for in that matchup. Jared Cook, he is our tight end 12, so he's right on the cusp, low end of our tight end ones. Decent matchup for him there. Tampa Bay's not notoriously great against the tight end. But Jared Cook's going to be your hit or miss guy. And if you drafted Jared Cook, then you have to play him because you're playing him as your tight end one. That's what you drafted him for. And you drafted him knowing that he's going to be a hit or miss guy. You drafted him knowing that he's going to be a boomer bust guy. That's just what he is. Did he get eight targets that day or did he get two? And that's kind of regardless of matchup, frankly. So if you drafted Jared Cook, you got to take him. Having a, a little uh, news come across my desk right now, Denzel Mims not looking good for him to play on Sunday. That coming out uh, just now. And Jalen Rager is actually expected to suit up on Sunday. Now, they don't seem to know exactly what kind of snap count he's going to have. They don't think it's going to be uh, that big. But the fact that he's going to be able to suit up on Sunday means that, one, he's healthier sooner than they thought he was going to be, and then we'll see what his involvement is moving forward. Nothing for nothing to really worry about for week one. Uh, also, Kenny Galladay, he is not practicing again today, so that is concerning because he right, he practiced on Wednesday, wound up satting, sitting out yesterday, even though initially it was reported he was practicing in limited capacity, he only actually did individual work, so officially he was, uh, did not practice yesterday. And now today, he's not practicing again. And remember, this is a hamstring issue. So this does not look great for him. So we'll have to keep, you'll have to keep that in mind. We'll have to keep watching that. And, but on the flip side, we have some good news. Miles Sanders listed his day-to-day, said he's looking and feeling much better. And it looks like he'll be not only ready for Sunday, but could be assuming his full workload on Sunday. Remember, I talked about that a little bit yesterday. The fact that they hadn't gone out and signed anybody indicated to me that they felt like he was going to be okay on Sunday, or at least it was not going to be a long-term injury. So those are the news and notes coming through for us right now that I want to make sure you guys are up to date on. And we'll have, we tweet all these things out as well. Obviously not while I'm doing the show, but we tweet all those things out after I'm done the show. Make sure you guys are up to date heading into Sunday. Before we move on into our next matchup, I do want to talk to you guys about a new sponsor of the show called Thrive Fantasy. Come Hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Use promo code BillyUp when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today on your Play Store or App Store or whatever software you have. And they're pretty, like I said, I talked about them yesterday. They're pretty good because you don't have to know too much because they only deal with the superstars that you can just do prop bets on. And they're an easy couple bucks to play and make things a little bit fun. So go ahead and check them out. Okay. Now, like I said, we were talking about our next four o'clock matchup between the Arizona Cardinals and San Francisco 49ers. So, first and foremost, Drake is good to go. We knew this going into it. They kept saying that the boot was a precaution, was a precaution, was a precaution. He was practicing pretty much in full all this week. He looks like he'll be fine. Nothing to concern about there. Obviously, if you have Drake, you play him. We all know this isn't a great matchup against San Francisco 49ers, but he also did pretty well against the 49ers at the end of the season last year too. So it's not something that I necessarily have to feel like I'm not going to get 
RB2 level production out of Kenyon Drake, even in this matchup against San Francisco. And like I said, you have to play him if you got him. We got him at RB12. We actually have a borderline RB1 this week. And that that is in respect to, we think he's going to get the ball checked down to him quite a bit too. I mean, this is a guy who's probably looking at 16 plus carries and maybe looking at four to five targets this week, if not more carries than that. And what I mean by that is the question that should be on everybody's mind if you own an Arizona Cardinal, whether it be Kyler Murray, whether it be DeAndre Hopkins, whether it be Kenyon Drake or, or whoever else, the question on your mind should be, what offense are you going to run, Cliff? Is this going to be the offense that you ran at the beginning of the season last year where you go a lot of four receiver sets and you could look to be a pass first team because now that you have DeAndre Hopkins, maybe you feel like you can do that now, or... Do you do what he did more towards the end of last year where you started to improve in the red zone by getting more physical, playing more two tight end sets, and leaning on your running game a bit more? Which offense are we going to see? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And it's a true test week one because you're playing against a really good defense in San Francisco. So you're really going to get to see what happens when things don't go perfectly as well, too, which is a big indication for fantasy purposes moving forward. So these are all things to kind of check out for moving. Like I said, these are all, all things we're going to be keeping our eyes on in this game. But yeah, Kenyon Drake, we have him as RB12 for this week. So even in a tough matchup, we, we have him getting enough volume. He's going to be pretty good. Plus, we love Drake. He's got he has great athleticism. So glad he's gone in Miami. I've been a big Drake guy for a long time. And for him to finally be in a situation where he's getting his shot at the beginning of the season for once, so excited for him. Kyler Murray, obviously, you're playing him. We have him at QB9 this week just because it is against San Francisco 49ers. It's a tough matchup. I do think that he's going to have to give you the fantasy. He's going to be giving you his fantasy floor rather than his fantasy ceiling this particular week. And it's going to take his legs to do it because I think he's going to be running for his life quite a bit. Because D4, Nick Bosa, all the pass rushers for the 49ers are all healthy. That offensive line can't handle a fully healthy San Francisco front seven. Not many teams can. So I think he's not, he's just, he's not going to have that much time in the pocket. I think week one, I think there are going to be some chemistry problems between him and DeAndre Hopkins trying to get on the same page still. He might try to force feed on the ball. And we'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins' fantasy value this week in a minute. He might force feed him the ball, but it's still not going to be in sync necessarily for a big play. So, like I said, I think Kyler Murray is going to be giving you a look at his floor this year more so than his ceiling, and it's going to take his legs to do it. And that's why we have him at QB9. It's just a tough matchup this week. It's one of the few weeks that he will probably have him that low, to be honest. 
but you still play him as, as, a, as your quarterback for the week. Hopkins, again, you have to play him if you drafted him. He was one of our best guys on, this, on the season because we do not believe in him as a top five wide receiver. We don't believe in him as a top 10 wide receiver this year. Talked about that numerous times over the offseason. And we have that wide receiver 17 entering this game. Again, he might get force-fed some targets because he's the new toy. And he's going to be Kyler Murray's number one receiver. But this is somebody who's missed a lot of practice time because he was dealing with a hamstring injury during training camp. His chemistry is, is not going to be on the same page with Kyler Murray come week one. And it's a tough matchup. Now, am I, does Richard Sherman scare me from what DeAndre Hopkins can do? No, not, not at this point in Richard Sherman's career, but it's the overall 49ers defensive unit against Arizona who's still looking to get in sync. Again, this is similar to what I talked about with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans going into that game. I thought to myself that the Kansas City Chiefs might look really good against Houston Texans because of one thing and one thing more so than any other, not just because they're a better team talent-wise, but because they had the continuity. San Francisco, like the Kansas City Chiefs, has a lot of continuity, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where the Cardinals have some major pieces like Hopkins who are still trying to get involved and still trying to get on the same page, still trying to get in the rhythm. So that might play out on the field. So that's why DeAndre Hopkins is our wide receiver 17. Again, you have to start him. You have to play him. But I would not expect wide receiver one-like production this particular week. So maybe you have to make other adjustments throughout your lineup as a result of that. The only other question, it's a minor question we're going to see, but what exactly is the tight end snap count? What's the tight end rotation going to be? You know, They have Max Williams listed as the starter. I think that's primarily because he's going to be the main blocking tight end. We'll see how much Dan Arnold is involved in both the passing game and in the game flow, but we're, that's something we're just going to keep our eye on in this matchup. Moving on to the San Francisco 49ers, You have to play Moser, I think, this week. He's going to get the first crack. It's a Cardinals defense that shouldn't scare you. They have made some improvements, but not enough where I would be afraid of them in any way. And if you drafted Raheem Moser in that fourth, fifth round, which is where he went most of the time, I think you got to play him. And we have him as an RB25. So we have him as a high-end RB3, just outside that low-end RB2 territory. He's going to get first crack. Now, the hope would be, of course, if you're hearing a Moster owner, not only does he get the first crack, but he is able to be efficient with it, so they don't have a reason to turn to somebody else for the hot hand. But this is, this is a big question mark for fantasy purposes that we're going to have watching this football game. What's the rotation between Moster, Coleman, and Jarek McKinnon? Is Jarek McKinnon going to be the third down guy automatically in the, on this roster? Are they going to let Raheem Moster get the majority of the carries, or is there going to be a dead split between him and Tevin Coleman? So the, these are questions that we're going to have throughout this game. The only 49er running back I'm going to play in week one, though, is Raheem Moser, just because, like I said, we know that at least going into week one, with all things being equal, he's going to get the first crack. And we know that somebody in the San Francisco backfield is going to put up good fantasy production this week and probably almost every single week. So we would play Mostert here and kind of watch the rest of this game. As far as the wide receivers go, Brandon Ayuk is looking on track to play. He came back to practice yesterday. Kyle Shanahan this morning talked about that between him and Debo Samuel, Ayuk has more of a chance to play. Uh, they are hoping he's going to be able to suit up. It does sound like he's still kind of questionable at this point, 
that we'll have to keep our eyes on it, but he is heading in the right direction. Debo Samuel is not going to play. We never expected Debo Samuel to play week one anyway. The fact that they even been talking about it like it was a possibility, however long shot of it was, but still a possibility, I think is a mini miracle within itself. Uh, I think it's it shows that Debo Samuel coming back in week two is maybe a 50-50 shot, which that was never thought that was going to be possible either. It was more thought of that if the earliest he'd be back would be week three, week four. So he sounds like he's at least trending in the right direction, even though it's probably not going to be this week. If Brandon Ayuk plays, there's going to be a temptation to play him. But I think outside of DFS, because you want to go with a contrarian play and a guy who might be in a situation to get some added volume and has quote-unquote big playability coming out of college, I think you can take that shot in DFS. And we're going to talk about that more in tomorrow night's show with the new DC's DFS challenge coming out tomorrow night at 9.15 on Twitter and on Facebook on Belly Up Fantasy, at Belly Up Fantasy on Twitter and on Facebook. So make sure you go ahead and check that out with my boy Chris Pinto. Brand new show. We're going to be talking about that. We're talking about some sports picks. Some, I keep saying sports picks. We're going to talk about some betting lines going into that one. So we're going to see how that goes. And Brandon Ike might be one of the guys we talk about. But I'm not looking to play him for redraft leagues this week, or I mean, even for dynasty leagues, depending on what you have available to you. One, he's going to be matched against Patrick Peterson more times than not. Now, I know Peterson wasn't very good last year, but I'm willing to bet he's going to at least rebound to some degree at the beginning of the season while he's healthy. Brandon Ayuk's a rookie receiver. He hasn't practiced the past couple of weeks very much because of this injury. And attacking the Arizona Cardinals, I think, is going to be really up the 49ers' alley. They're not going to have to get aggressive on the perimeter. The biggest ways you attack them is running the football and attacking with the tight ends, which George Kittle and Jordan, uh, Jordan Reed are going to be more than adequate to do so. So I don't think there's going to be an emphasis on getting the outside wide receivers involved, even if Brandon Ayuk's out there. So I'd rather see, one, how he looks, and two, you know, just kind of a wait-and-see approach with Brandon Ayuk when it comes to your redraft leagues. You should have better options. You should have better options. I'll pull up where we have him ranked for right now. We have him at wide receiver 37, just outside that wide receiver 3 territory. You should have better options than Brandon Ayuk this week. But he might suit up, and we're going to keep our eye on that and what that's going to mean. George Kittle, obviously you play him. I think there's a slight chance that playing Jordan Reed in DFS might be a smart move. Just kind of throw that out there real quick. I mean, especially if you're playing in tournaments, right? Contrarian play, he's cheap. The lack of wide receivers right now for the San Francisco 49ers due to injury. The fact that it's the Arizona Cardinals who you attack with the tight end position. Jordan Reed might be looking at a significant amount of targets this week one. So that's somebody who I would kind of contemplate in your DraftKings and your FanDuel lineups. Am I going to take that chance in redraft leagues? Probably not because you probably drafted a tight end to be your guy whether it's a top guy or a streamer guy, you probably drafted to be your guy for week one. So I'm probably not doing that in redraft leagues. But it's something to kind of keep your eye on because they continue to have issues at the wide receiver position because of health reasons. And plus, this is a team that uses two tight end sets quite a bit anyway. If Jordan Reed is back to Jordan Reed form from an athletic standpoint and gets to play second fiddle to George Kittle, there's a decent chance this is a guy who's going to be a hell of a streamer option after this week. So definitely somebody who I think you guys should keep your eyes on, even if you're not necessarily playing him in a redraft league this particular week. Before we move on to our Sunday night game, I do want to talk to you guys about one of our favorite sponsors, 
of today's show called PropMe. PropMe is a new innovative gaming platform and really the first of its kind. It makes betting from person to person more easy than ever. Just download the app and join the fun at PropMeLLC.com today. I'm looking forward to this Sunday night game. You have the Rams. You got the Dallas Cowboys. There's a really good chance we're going to see a shootout in this game. A really good chance that's going to happen. I'm really excited to see it. You play everybody. I mean, mean, talk about almost zero question marks as far as how do you approach your players in this game. Dak, obviously. Zeke, obviously. Cooper, obviously. Michael Gallup, obviously. I think the only one you can actually ask a question whether or not you play him this week is C.D. Lamb. And my answer, my response to that would be probably not. I understand the temptation. We all want to see what Lamb can do on the field, especially since he's going to probably be on one-on-one situations. But we have met wide receiver 47 this week. And that has more to do with, again, Michael Gallup or Mario Cooper already have the chemistry, already in sync. Steady Lamb, still a rookie. He's going to be at least the third receiver thrown to. We need to wait and see exactly how this Cowboy offense is going to look before we go ahead and start plugging guys like C.D. Lamb into our lineup. But Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, go for it. Blake Jarwin, if you drafted him, you drafted him as your late sleeper tight end. You're going to play him in this matchup too. I know on the depth chart, they still kind of have him as the backup. But even if he's, quote-unquote, the backup because he's not the guy in there to block because that's the big knock on him, He's going to be the guy out there when they're in passing situations, red zone situations. He's going to be out there when you want your tight end to be out there anyway. So we have him at tight end 15. We're fine with playing him as a tight end too, as a streaming option, as a sleeper option for you for you guys. Do we hope you have better options than that? Yeah, I mean, I like Janu Smith more. I like Tyler Higby more, uh, especially that game going, uh, you know, Jared Cook more, uh, Robert Gronkowski more. But if you drafted him, he was a guy people took for to be their sleeper guy. So obviously you're going to play him. I don't think you have to stream out of him this week is more my point, I guess. But yeah, everybody else you play. Zeke's our number two running back on the week. Prescott is our number four quarterback on the week. Cooper is our number 10 receiver on the week. So, you know, you got you got good matchups here. You got You got... A lot to look forward to in this game. It's a game that really could be a shootout. I think the question more comes on the Rams side, kicking it off with Jared Goff. And we have him as QB 20. I want to preface this with a lot of people look at that and like, QB 20? Why do you hate Jared Goff so much? This happens a lot, especially when you're going into week one. The difference between Jared Goff and a Matthew Stafford or I'm excuse me, and Aaron Rodgers was who I wanted to say at QB 15 is literally a point and a half. So one extra 20 yard pass you're there, and we would have Jared Goff from QB 20 to at least QB 15. That's how close it is between that that stretch of guys. So saying that he's QB 20, I'm not saying you can't play him. And, you know, all, take everything into context when you're looking at some of these rankings for sure. I like the matchup. I think he's a fine streamer play this week. I mean, Jared Goff's in streamer quarterback territory all, all year. I think he's a fine streamer play. Like I said, I do think this game has a chance to be a shootout. Cooper Cup's healthy. Uh, Robert Woods is healthy, good to go. So I think you can play Jared Goff, but I think there's going to be a lot of better options out there too who have maybe more upside because obviously he doesn't come with the rushing upside. And 
we don't know exactly if Sean McVay is going to go more conservative to tight end set like he did last year at the end of the year, or it's going to go back to old Sean McVay. It's kind of the Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals situation. What offense are you going to run? Are you going to go back to your three receivers, tack the levels of the defense system, or are you going to go to what you did towards the end of last year when you tried to turn things around and get more physical? Play more two tight end sets. Play a little bit more conservative. That's a question we're going to have watching this game. I lean towards he's going back to Sean McVay a little bit more, especially for this week against the Dallas Cowboys because the way you attack them is their secondary. You don't necessarily attack their front seven. So I think it's more of a matchup-based thing in this situation. That's why I kind of like Derek Goff as a streamer quarterback this week, even though I have him at QB 20. So I just wanted to preference that. The running back situation is a mess. It looks like Darrell Henderson's going to play. It looks like he's going to suit up. He's back at practice. Things look, all systems go. It looks like he's going to be okay. That just muddies everything. Because now with Darrell Henderson in the fold, it was already going to be what's the split between Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers. Now it looks like we're actually going to see what the split is between the three of them. It's going to be a committee approach. Now, how close to 100% is Darrell Henderson? I don't, I don't know. And I don't think we're going to know necessarily. But is he's feeling a lot better. He's moving around a lot more in practice. Which is good. It's good. I'm not playing a Rams running back this week. Period. I think the guy I have highest ranked out of the three of them for this particular week is Cam Akers at RB36. So I have him at the low end of the flex conversation. But I'm not going to play a Rams running back this week. I'm happy Darrell Henderson is back. Because I want to see sooner rather than later, with all things being equal, what happens in this backfield. And I actually see it on the field instead of hypothesizing and projecting what we think is going to happen. So I'd rather get that out the way week one and get an idea now of what I have moving forward. So I think it's a good thing Henderson's back from that standpoint. I'm just not going to play a Rams running back in this game. That's all. Higby, I think he's a fine tight end play. I, I think I actually might have him ranked towards his floor this week. I mean, from all indications in camp, Jared Goff, he's become one of Jared Goff's favorite targets. We have him at tight end 13, so we have him at the high-end tight end twos, just outside the low-end tight end ones for those 12-man leagues. But he's somebody who I'm definitely going to be playing if I drafted him, for sure. If I drafted him, be my first tight end, that is, obviously. I want to see how that... Tyler Higby's another guy who's going to be dependent on what kind of system does Sean McVay want to come in and run this season. But either way, I'm definitely playing him. I like his opportunity there. And it's clear that he's definitely head and shoulders above Gerald Everett when it comes to this offense. For In case those Gerald Everett truthers were still out there saying that, oh, no, it's still going to be him when it comes to actually throwing the football. No, it's not. We know that now. Where can Cooper Cup and Robert Woods finish? I mean, they're both must plays. That's first and foremost. Like I said, I love the matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. This is a secondary I think you're going to be able to attack as the defense is missing some pieces here and there. And I think it's going to be a lot of points scored. So you're, going to, you're definitely going to start them. We have Cooper Cup at wide receiver 13. We have Robert Woods at wide receiver 24. So both of them, wide receiver 2. Cooper Cup, high-end wide receiver 2. Robert Woods, low-end wide receiver 2. Most people have that flip-flop. Most people, I've come to find, that, and I was a little bit surprised by this, most people have Robert Woods ahead of Cooper Cup. And they, the argument is, the narrative is, that Robert Woods, no matter what offense Sean McVay is running, is guaranteed his workload of targets. And I don't disagree with that narrative. I don't disagree with that point. But my counterpoint to that is that, look, when it comes to the red zone, Cooper Cup has head and shoulders Jared Goff's go-to target over Robert Woods. And, normally speaking, Cooper Cup's target share isn't far off from Robert Woods, if not about the same. 
in most weeks. And if you guys are going to just look at the small sample size of when they ran two tight end sets last year and then Cooper Cup didn't get the ball as much, remember he was also banged up during that time, so he wasn't 100% himself either, and look at that and say, well, if Cup has to play the perimeter, he's just not... I agree with you, Cup's not as good of a receiver on the perimeter, but that doesn't mean he can't line up on the inside even if they have two tight ends on the field. Look at the game last night. There were situations where the Houston Texans lined up in two tight end sets and Brandon Cook still played in the slot because they just lined him up on the same side as Will Fuller. I expect them to do that a lot with Robert Woods. I expect them to put these guys in motion. I expect to see more vintage Sean McVay, which is why I said, I, especially in this game, I lean more towards him going his three receiver sets. I think we're going to see a good mixture of Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds out there as the wide receiver three in this matchup, which opens up the door to Cooper Cup to play his role. But I know when it comes to the red zone, Cooper Cup's the guy, and I know that he is going to get his fair share of targets. It's not going to go out the window. So Cooper Cup is our wide receiver 13. That's why we have him ranked ahead of Robert Woods. But either way, if you have one of these guys, you're playing him, period. So moving on to the Monday matchup, remember there's two Monday games. There are always two Monday night uh, night games on uh, week one. The first matchup, the uh, 7 o'clock Eastern game, is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York Giants. Should be a one-sided affair in favor of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is why Ben Roethlisberger is our QB8, in case you were wondering, in case you didn't know. Playing against the New York Giants, which could have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Especially when you look at them on paper. There's nothing impressive about them. There's nothing scary about them. They had to cut DeAndre Baker because of his off-the-field antics. And he was really the only secondary player I thought was worth anything on that team to begin with. Ben Roethlisberger is coming back. This will be his first game back from the elbow injury. We want to see how his arm looks. There's going to be a lot of question marks we want to see in that game, but it's such a good matchup that even without getting to see it first, I'm very comfortable with playing Big Ben. That's why we have a QB8. So you're definitely playing him. James Conner, Mike Tomlin's come out time and time again. As long as James Conner is healthy, he is the guy. It is a great matchup against the Giants. And we have James Conner at our RB17 of the week. And honestly, it might be too low. He has RB1 potential this particular week. Especially if he's going to be the guy, as Mike Tomlin has described him over and over and over again. And I'm also excited to see him because all the talks about training camp have been how great a shape he's been in coming into this season. So we're going to get a chance to see that as well. How great a shape are you in? Are you in the best shape of your life? And will that help you actually get over some of these durability issues that a lot of people have had with you, especially when it comes to your fantasy stock. So I'm excited to see James Conner this week and see what he's able to bring to the table. The other guy I'm excited to see is Juju Smith-Schuster. One, getting to play in the slot. Two, having Ben Roethlisberger back. Three in a great matchup. I'm just going to keep, you know, we have to keep throwing that out there. It's a great matchup, period. He's our wide receiver seven on the week. We have Judas Smith-Schuster as a wide receiver one. I think he's looking at possibly eight to ten targets this week in a great matchup. So we're definitely excited about what that can mean for him. Obviously, you're going to play him anyway. The guy we do have to talk about is Deontay Johnson. He didn't practice yesterday. So we're going to have to keep our eyes on this. Remember, they, they, don't, they don't play until Monday. So they are going to have a practice today, but they're also going to have what would normally be their Friday practice tomorrow on Saturday. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, so that's why you make sure you're, you're 
you're following us and have your notifications up on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow, we're going to keep you up to date with that. The tone around Deontay Johnson is that he will play Monday, or at least that they're leaning towards him playing Monday, even though he did not practice. Remember, yesterday, Thursday's practice, because it was Monday, would be typically a Wednesday practice. So when you miss Wednesday's practice, it's not always that doesn't always mean you're definitely going to miss the game on Sunday. That's, that's the one practice you can kind of miss and still wind up being okay. So just everything's in context. Just keep that in mind for week one. We want Deontay Johnson out there for, so Juju Smith-Schuster can continue playing in the slot. That's the, that's the number one thing, because that's a big reason why we have him as a wide receiver one. But also, Deontay Johnson is a guy you drafted to kind of give you high-end wide receiver three, maybe some wide receiver two type of weeks. Because of this foot injury, we did kind of move him down a little bit. We moved him down to wide receiver 39. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Just because it's a little concerning that one, it's a foot, how healthy you're going to be being able to cut and everything like that. It does sound like it was it was hindering quite a bit and that this is something that just popped up on the injury report this week. Again, I don't like situations where players have injuries pop up the week of. If it's something they've had time to recover from, fine. But when it pops up the week of, that means at, le- at the very least, you know, heading into that game, they're probably going to be hindered by that, even if they are active. So that's what we just moved him down a few slots because of that just outside our wide receiver three territory. I do think you're going to have because of some of the matchups out there and comes some of the receivers available out there. I do think you're going to have better options available to you where you can kind of just let Deontay Johnson get healthy before you start using him. He's going to be good for you. I just maybe avoid it this week, especially being it's the Monday night game and you know, no one's on by. You should have some options to go to. We'll see what his health is. Um, But if you don't have a better option, then, like I said, keep your eyes on the practice report. It's a great matchup. So if he is out there, it's not like you don't have the a possibility of him putting in decent fantasy production for you still at the end of the day. He's still going to be the number two target to Juju Smith-Schuster when he's out there on the field. So just something to kind of keep in mind when it comes to Deontay Johnson. I want to see what Eric Ebron is going to be. This is the time to do it. Deontay Johnson's a little bit banged up. You're going up against the Giants. What's your involvement going to be? What's the split between you and Vance McDonald? Are you really going to be utilized in the red zone? Is this really going to be like the Colt situation with when it was Ebron and Jack Doyle? We know Ben Roethlisberger likes to throw it to the tight end. We know that the Steelers need a true red zone target, which Eric Ebron can be. So this is our chance to kind of see, are you going to be the deep sleeper tight end that we thought you might be able to be? For this week, we have him at tight end 17, just outside the Blake Jarwin, Greg Olson territory. So we have him kind of right there with those type of guys. 
Am I playing him week one? Probably not. I probably have a better option to go to, but I'm going to have my eyes peeled if he's somebody who's either A, on my roster, or B, on my watch list when it comes to the waiver wire because he is a guy who could be a possible good streamer for you throughout the season. So we're going to have our eyes on that. On the Giants side of the ball, this is not a good matchup for anybody involved. Steelers defense really might be the best defense in the NFL this season. I think there's a pretty good chance that that happens. The way they played at the end of last year, they have chemistry going into this year. They have cohesion. A lot of defenses don't have that yet. Daniel Jones was already somebody that we were very low on to begin with anyway, and we have McCubey 27 for the week. To me, he's a must-sit if you have Daniel Jones. There's no way I'm playing against Pittsburgh Steelers this week. No chance. Matter of fact, I think the only giant that I feel confident in playing in my lineup would be Saquon Barkley. But even him... And wait for it, and we're going to get a lot of backlash for this. We have him in RB14. I don't like the matchup. And what I'm pretty much saying to you is that RB14 is just like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not expecting RB1 production out of him this week. I think the Steelers are good enough defense to key on Saquon Barkley and really be able to shut down this giant offense. Now, Barkley's great. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what defense he's playing. He's matchup proof. He could go out there and get seven catches and still rush for 100 yards on like 10 carries because he busted one even against a great deal. I'm not, I'm not denying any of that. You're definitely playing Saquon Barkley. I'm not saying not to play him. But I am saying in this particular matchup, the way this Steelers defense matches up with this giant offense, which is they are much more physical. And I think Jason Garrett's predictable conservative play calling is just not going to do them any favors in this game. It's not going to make it easier. If Saquon Barkley has a great game this week, it's not going to be because the play calling set him up to do so. It's going to be because his God-given ability, which there's a tremendous amount of, was able to propel him past this team and get over and be able to overcome a horrendous matchup, essentially. It's going to be because it happened because of Saquon Barkley and who he is. And that's in the realm of possibility any given week. That's why he's one of the top running backs in the NFL. I don't like this situation hanging into this week, though. They can match up with him when he goes out on the pass because they have fast linebackers. They got guys like Devin Bush and TJ Watt. They can match up with him when he goes out into the flat. And right now, Hayward's healthy. When Hayward's healthy on that defensive line, you can't run on him. Two, it's healthy. When two is healthy on that defensive line, you can't run on him. So, I don't like this matchup for these guys. It's going to take him making a big play on his own for him to be able to give you that RB1 production. I know a lot of people are going to disagree. I don't care. It's, I'm just letting you know, tamper your expectations for Saquon Barkley at the very least this week. The wide receiver crew. Golden Tate, he, is, he came back and a limited participant in practice yesterday. And remember, again, Thursday would be their Wednesday practice. So that does mean he's trending in the right direction of being able to suit up for Monday. You're not playing Golden Tate regardless. But it's just interesting to see if he goes out, then that could be a few more targets for Sterling Shepard, a few more targets for Darius Slayton, maybe a few more targets for Evan Ingram. So that's the only reason why that could be of note. But you weren't going to be playing Golden Tate this matchup, even if he was 100% healthy. I don't really want to play Sterling Shepard, who we have ranked as their top targeted wide receiver for this week, either. I want to stay away from really the pass catchers of the Giants. We have Sterling Shepard at wide receiver 40. 
while also having Darius Slayton at wide receiver 55. Again, it's the matchup. It's I don't expect Daniel Jones to have a very good game this week. I really don't. If you drafted Evan Ingram, you play Evan Ingram. We have him at tight end eight, but we definitely recognize that he could have a very low floor this week. So if you have Evan Ingram, and let's say you have Evan Ingram and a, I don't know, Janu Smith and a Tyler Higby, even though we have Evan Ingram ranked ahead of those guys, those are a couple of guys I do think have bigger ceilings, or at the very least, I would say have a have a safer floor given their matchups and their roles and their offense heading into this week. On the flip side of that, I will say when it comes to the red zone, I think Evan Ingram might have the best chance out of any of the pass catchers of the Giants of actually catching a touchdown this week, which is why we still have him a tight end eight at the end of the day and his athletic ability and just who he is in that offense. And we think he, they think there's a real chance that he might actually be the number one target pass catcher on this offense, not the wide receivers, but Evan Ingram instead because of what the rapport has been between him and Daniel Jones as he's been healthy throughout training camp. We're at the wait and see, obviously. But Evan Ingram's one of those guys we have him at tight end eight. But if you wanted to stream him for Tyler Higby to take more of a shot there, or a Janu Smith to take more of a shot there, I wouldn't really argue with you against, uh, against that too much. Just kind of give you an idea. Remember, there's rankings and there's, there's circumstances and situations and, and variables that you have to take into consideration for your team and what your matchup is. It's about being the best fantasy owner that you could possibly be. That's why we do this show. Last Monday night game to talk about is the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos. Now, the Broncos look like they might be a shell of themselves when it comes to defense. I mean, lost Von Miller for the year. Bradley Chubb might be on a pitch count. So pretty much there goes their pass rush. And if you don't have a pass rush against the Tennessee Titans and you're already a team that is not very good against the run, historically speaking, over the past few years. Obviously, new season, new possibilities, but it has not been very good against the run, and on paper, I don't see why they've significantly improved in that area. Titans might be, might be able to have their way with them, or at least be able to do what they want to do on offense. Obviously, you're playing Derrick Henry. Obviously, you're playing A.J. Brown. We like Janu Smith as a sleeper tight end. We've talked about him a couple times. He's one of those guys who are in my top end streamer guys as, at, at tight end 14 for the week on half point PBR leagues. So I think the only question is, do you play Ryan Tannehill week one? My answer to that is that you probably have a better option. Ryan Tannehill was somebody who either got drafted in the 15-16 round or not drafted at all. And if you drafted him as a sleeper, you drafted him as a streamer, well, like we just laid out for you, Denver's not going to have a pass rush this week, so there's nothing to really be fearful of. So if you drafted him for that capacity, then you can play him in that capacity. We have him at QB 22. Again, do not get swept up in the rank of him being a QB 22. There's a very little gap between him and that 15th, 14th guy. He has a floor. He's going to run. He's going to use his legs. We also need to see, you know, is Ryan Tannehill really such that awesome of a fit when this team that he can take his game to the next level like we saw last year? Or is he bouncing back down to being what Ryan Tannehill has always been, which has always been an average quarterback who has a little bit of a rushing ability? I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's going to be the question this year. We kind of get our first crack at that this week. And like you said, with no Von Miller, with a limited Bradley Chubb, he should be in prime position to be able to make some things happen. He's not going to have, he shouldn't have too much pressure in his face this week. So I, I'm okay with him if you drafted him to be a streamer. But I do think there's going to be other options that I would rather go with just this particular week with a higher ceiling. But that's just me. 
And yeah, we don't talk about anybody else in the Tennessee Titans. No news or notes there. Denver Broncos. We know KJ Hamler is going to miss probably the next couple of weeks at least. Still coming back from that hamstring issue. Cortland Sutton. This was the big news of yesterday. Cortland Sutton went down. It was a scary moment. A lot of people were really fearful that it might have been the collarbone. Turns out it's an AC joint sprain in his shoulder. And he is looking like he's day-to-day. And they are saying that there, he still has a decent shot of being able to play on Monday. How close to 100% he's going to be is going to be not very. It's going to be difficult, I think, for him to catch the ball. And I would be worried about the pain. He, he's not going to make the injury worse by playing. But it, I would be worried about the pain that he might be in getting hit in the shoulder. Especially when it comes to holding on to the football. Cortland Sutton's a really tough guy, though. So if I had to bet on it, I would bet that he's going to play Monday. He just might not be 100% himself as Cortland Sutton. But if he plays on Monday, and we know, you know, let's say Sunday morning, that he's definitely going to play on Monday, we had him ranked at wide receiver 15. I didn't move him off of that. Once I found that was an AC joint sprain and that there was still a decent chance he was going to play on Monday, I didn't move him in the rankings. This is not a Tennessee secondary that scares me. Cortland, regardless of all the other weapons they added with Jerry Judy and Melvin Gordon, Cortland Sutton's the guy. And of those guys that I just mentioned, he's the only one who was there last year with Drew Locke. So he's going to be the one that Locke has the chemistry with, that Locke has the trust with. I don't necessarily trust Locke, but I do like Shermer and I like Cortland Sutton. So I'm still fine with playing Cortland Sutton as a wide receiver two this week, even given the injury for him in practice, as long as we know he's going to play. Now, if it sounds like he's going to be a game-time decision, then maybe you don't take that chance because that is the second Monday game. So unless you can get your hands on Jerry Judy, I don't know if I'm going to take the chance on Cortland Sutton in my week one when I should have other options that I can at least go to that I know for sure are going to be out there on the field. So, again, all contexts, keep that in mind. Make sure you're following us along. That's something we're definitely going to keep you up to date on as well. Noah Fant, you're playing him. We have him as a top 10 tight end this week. We're probably going to have the top 10 tight end, you know, pretty much all season long. We have him at number 10 exactly this week. He's another guy I want to see with these new additions at wide receiver and Melvin Gordon. You know, where, where do you fit in in this rotation? Are you a featured point? Uh, are you a featured weapon of this offense, or are you a guy who's kind of an afterthought who can stretch the seam and make big plays once every four weeks or so? So I'm going to have that question mark for him too. But we know, given his talent ability, given that he should be in in uh, good good opportunistic matchups, given the wide receivers that they now have, and Pat Shermer does have a history of utilizing his tight ends, when especially when he has a good athletic one. I like the prospects for Noah Fant in this game and for the season, quite frankly. Now, remember, the Tennessee Titans don't have Jarrell Casey. And this is kind of similar to like the, when we talked about the Patriots yesterday. when They didn't have Donta Hightower. They were a team that you could definitely run on. It's kind of the same thing with the Titans. When you didn't have Jarrell Casey, they're a team you could run on. We'll see if they've been able to make the adjustments without being able to have him. They did bring in Javion Clowney, which does a lot of things for you in both the pass rushing and the run game. But this is a team I wouldn't be fearful of running up the middle on. And it's finally going to be our first crack to see what exactly the rotation between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay is going to be. We have Melvin Gordon as RB18 on the week. It's not a matchup that scares you. We know that he's going to get the majority of the work. And I think most importantly, 
he is going to get the majority of the receiving work over Philip Lindsay. We know that's going to be the fact. Because they don't trust Philip Lindsay back there to pass block. Never have. That's why Royce Freeman would get so much work in the passing game, even though you'd rather see Philip Lindsay out there in space. So even if Philip Lindsay, let's say, gets sprinkled in eight to ten times this game on the ground, I think Melvin Gordon's still a guy who's looking at the possibility of 20 touches in this matchup. And I don't think it's going to be a particularly high-scoring game, so I don't think the Denver Broncos are going to fall so far out of it at any given point that they just have to abandon it and throw the ball. And like I said, even if they do, I still expect Melvin Gordon to be the guy who's out there anyway. So I think he has a very safe floor, and I'm excited to see exactly you know what this rotation is going to be. Because, well, I mean, I personally haven't been projecting much of one. I have Philip Lindsay maybe coming in for about 35% of the work, but I don't have him getting to that 60-40 mark. So I have him as more of a handcuff than I do a guy who is in flex territory. And that's just on the season. I have him at running back 46 for this week in particular. I think he's more of a handcuff than he is a guy who's going to be a possible flex play at any point this season. I don't think this is a 50-50 split. But we're going to get to see that Monday night. That wraps up our previews for all of week one. How about that? Before we talk about our mailbag segment, we do have a few questions today. I do want to give a shout out to one of our favorite sponsors called Trophy Smack. Commemorate your league winner in the best possible way. At Trophy Smack, they create trophies, belts, and rings with free engraving and shipping. Now you can get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy or belt if you use the promo code BELLYUP today. So go ahead and check them out. All right, mailbag segment. This is one of my favorite times, one of my favorite parts of the show because I love talking to you guys. I do the show for you guys. So being able to hear and help out with the situation, the issues that you guys might all be having is what I look forward to most. So first up, we got Redford from Facebook. He asked me, you know, I need one wide receiver. I need one flex in a half-point PPR league. And the choices are between four players. Terry McLaurin, Zach Moss, Henry Ruggs, or Tyler Boyd. So look, Henry Ruggs, I kind of like him for sleeper. And this is what I would say. Your, your obvious ones that you should be selecting here are Terry McLaurin and Tyler Boyd. Um, Terry McLaurin is somebody that we have as a wide receiver too this week. Even though I don't love the matchup, I do think... Actually, I have. I think I have him... Yeah. I actually have him in the high-end wide receiver three territory. I don't love the matchup for the week. That's why we have him a little bit lower. I'm Darius Slay. We expect him to shadow Terry McLaurin. But Terry McLaurin is in a situation where he could be looking at some garbage time fantasy points because I do expect the Eagles to handle Washington. And I expect Washington to have to come back from behind and have some high volume there. And I expect, most importantly, I expect the chemistry between Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin to be much better this season than it was at the end of last year. I expect Dwayne Haskins to look better than what he did last year because I think he's in a much better situation as well. And still might not be great quarterback play, but it should still be competent quarterback play, at least when it comes to getting the ball to Terry McLaurin when they have to come back down from behind. So I still think there's a floor there with Terry McLaurin because he's going to be head and shoulders the best target, even though I don't love the match against Darius Slay. So I think it's going to be capped to his ceiling. But you definitely, I think you play McLaurin here. And then I have Tyler Boyd ranked two spots lower at wide receiver 31. Now, Ruggs, we have him at wide receiver 45. However, he definitely has a high ceiling. 
first of all, we all know it only takes one play with Henry Ruggs because he has the capability to take it to the house on any given play. We talked about this yesterday. I love the Carolina Panthers-Raiders game because it's a game that has shootout potential, two bad defenses, so pretty much anything goes, and I think speed might kill in that game. So that's what I was saying. It depends on your roster construction. Terry McLaurin and Tyler Boyd are kind of the same guy. If you're looking at your lineup, Redford, and you feel like you need a pop somewhere, I'm okay with playing rugs over Tyler Boyd, let's say, in this matchup. But I would definitely be starting Terry McLaurin. I'm not playing Zach Moss out of those out of that group. I'd rather, if you have those receivers to choose from in those two spots, I'd rather go with the receivers, and I would rather wait and see exactly how this Buffalo Bills rotation is going to work this week between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss if I have those kind of options at my disposal. Moving on, we got Marky from Facebook. One point PPR, looking for a flex. Deontay Johnson, David Montgomery, or Cam Akers. This is kind of tough. We talked about Deontay Johnson might not be 100% because of the foot issue. David Montgomery does look like he's going to suit up, does look like he's going to be active, has been back at practice. I still question how he could possibly be close to 100%, the way they're, they're saying that he's pretty much good to go at this point, when his initial timeline for his groin injury that he had to limp off, get carted off, whatever report you want to believe off the practice field, and had an initial timeline of two to four weeks, how he's suddenly so good to go come week one. I question it because David Montgomery's in a situation where he needs to prove something. Which means he might be pushing to come back too soon. We've seen what happens when running backs come too soon from these type of issues. They don't look like themselves. So David Montgomery scares me a little bit this week that he's trying to come back this soon. I would feel much better if this was week two. And then you have Cam Akers, who I also said, I don't really want to play a Rams running back if I have a choice. So I don't love your options here. So I think my first question to you would be, is there something that you can drop for or do you have another option that you can kind of contemplate with? Because just due to either injuries or circumstance, I don't really love any of these ceiling options for any one of these players. Now, if you have to pick one, we always try to stay true to the question. If you have to pick one, I would say I would go with Deontay Johnson. Matchup against the Giants, like I said, they're leaning towards him being able to go. There's nobody in that secondary who can who can really take him away. And with Ben Roethlisberger being his first week back, I wouldn't be surprised if they want to prove that Ben Roethlisberger is okay and kind of let him throw it around, especially early on in the game. And I do think, like I said, he's he's good for five to six targets. Five to six targets against the Giants could mean, you know, sixty plus yards and a touchdown. I really don't trust David Montgomery coming back. I I would say David Montgomery in normal situ- situations, it's a good match against the Detroit Lions. He's going to be the main ball carrier if he is active. I really don't trust him coming back this week, this soon from the groin injury. I don't trust it. I just don't. I mean, we have Tariq Cohen ranked as an RB2 this week because we just did not expect... One, we didn't expect David Montgomery to play, or if he did, really didn't expect him to be anywhere close to 100% where he would really be able to be heavily involved. So I would stay away from that. And then, like I said, with Cam Akers, Cam Akers might be the actually healthiest option between those two. But again, if, if Henderson's back playing, I want to see what the rotation is going to be like first. So I would go with Deontay there, Marky. Nix34 from Twitter asks, one point PPR, Raheem Mostert or Antonio Gibson? Raheem Mostert, Raheem Mostert, Raheem Mostert. Again, this should not be a question. We talked, we talked about Washington yesterday. 
I don't want to touch their backfield week one. They already talked about it's going to be a committee. J.D. McKissick's listed as a starter. We have no idea what's going to happen week one. We just have no idea. And the Eagles are a horrible matchup for running backs to begin with, even when they're guys who catch the ball. Plus, we have Raheem Mostert ranked uh, running back 25 in a great matchup in, in week one where we know he's going to get first crack. So Raheem Mostert all day long, every day. That wraps up the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Our official kickoff Sunday, week one, is here. So excited. Football is back. And our fantasy seasons are back. Our chances to win are back. Make sure you're following us along on Twitter and Facebook, at BellyUpMDFFShow. Make sure you're listening to us on your favorite podcast as Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, wherever. Make sure you're watching us on the stream. Newly available on Twitch, YouTube, Sportscaster, Periscope, Facebook Live. Make sure you're checking out the new show that we're going to be coming out with tomorrow night, DC's DFS Challenge. We're going to be live at 9.15 on both Facebook and Twitter uh, tomorrow night with my co-host, Chris Pinto. So make sure you're checking that out as well. Everyone stay safe. Have a great week one weekend. We're going to be live on social media come Sunday morning, helping you out with your start symptoms, helping you out with the latest news of the actives and actives list. And we're going to be there for you every step of the way. So make sure you're checking that out as well. Everybody, you have a great weekend and we will talk to you again on Monday for the recap episode. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show.